0: Weekly News by iGaming Next is brought to you by Playson, quality games since 2012. Hello everyone and welcome to iGaming Next Weekly News Live. Uh, The three musketeers ride again. (laughs) It gives me a great pleasure to welcome Nico back for his first stream of 2023. Nico, great to see you. How have you been doing?
1: I'm, I'm. I've been doing great, and first of all, thanks you once again for having me. Um, I literally thought, okay, I might have already slipped uh, down between the cracks, but it seems like uh, we're back on track, and the three musketeers are riding alongside with each other. So it's good being back, and uh, yeah, seeing those smiles of yours in the virtual way just before rise uh, is giving me goosebumps. So thank you once again. <laughs>
0: Good to have you back, Nico. Back by popular demand, the fans were kicking off that you hadn't been on so far this year. Uh and uh and Connor joins us as well. That's good, isn't it?
2: <laughs> How are you, Connor? All right. I'm very well. The Triumphant Trio back in action, as I like to call it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and perhaps there'll be a chance for a real life uh, a real life meeting in a couple of weeks, as you mentioned, Nico. We have there's a small trade show somewhere in the east end of London coming up next uh, in the next couple of weeks that people seem to be talking about quite a lot, so that's very exciting.
0: Lots to look forward to there. Yep, yeah, certainly. It will be good for a little get-together. Um, all those uh, titles are self-appointed, I think. I'm sure the viewers probably have a different name for the three of us. Uh, but thank you to them, as always, for tuning in. Um, please do say hello um we really appreciate your support as always and i must thank our sponsors Playson as well before we go any further um but i've had a very busy morning um uh, feeling a little bit rushed and woefully underprepared for this live stream guys so luckily i've had three cups of coffee so i reckon adrenaline will just take us right through and it'll be a, a fantastic show as always what, what do you reckon yeah, well, we'll
2: see. <laughs> We're in safe hands. I think Nico's going to lead us in today with a bit of his uh, classic 10 stories in five minutes format that he is the pioneer of. So there's lots to look forward to. We've got quite a lot to discuss. Um, so I'm sure we're not short of talking points today, Jay. You just uh, you just
0: relax and we'll all have a good time. <laughs> yeah, I'll come <laughs> along for the ride. Uh, but no, good point, Connor. Let's uh, let's kick things off with uh, with Nico's ten and five.
1: Okay, perfect. So I will just take over. So starting with the unlicensed website visits triple during the World Cup. New data from the betting and uh, gaming council, short BGC, shows that the 250,000 people visited black market sites in December just alone, compared to 80,000 during the same month in 2021. Uh, and there's an official statement um, stating while the regulated industry was going to great lengths to uh, protect young people during the World Cup and adhering to strict regulations and promoting safer gambling, black market operators were preying on the vulnerable. Another thing which happened in the UK is UK Gambling Commission cites history of failings as InTouch Games has issued Another 6.1 uh, penalty, which we will uh, go into more detail during um, our lovely and cozy one hour. So I will just uh, leave this one out. Um, MGM considers a fresh Entain bit once white paper clears in the uh, the UK air. So U.S. Gambling... Giant MGM Resorts uh, is once again considering a bid to acquire its BET MGM joint venture partner, Entain PLC, as dealmakers await for the UK gambling review to be concluded. And we will see the white paper on the Gambling Act probably in February. Uh, another quite interesting story is Bet365 set to withdraw Massachusetts online sports betting license application. It's quite, it's quite hard to get our um, to get more insights, as especially uh, boys and girls from Bet365 are very very quiet. But there's an official statement that Bet365 confirmed on Wednesday that they are withdrawing their applications for the. T-third license for mobile sports betting in Massachusetts, but unfortunately the company has no further comment. Um, there is a bill about to be introduced in Hawaii, which would establish state regulator um, to come up with um, iGaming rebu- uh, regulations. Democrats in the Hawaiian legislature have introduced a bill which would establish a state body responsible for both regulating and offering gambling um, activities. uh, activities. However, the law specifically states that this would not extend to sports betting. So while New Yorkers are able to sports bet, this won't happen in Hawaii. Then, uh, Fanatics, they partnered up with Maryland's Washington Commanders on first ever retail sportsbook. Inside an NFL stadium, so fanatics obviously are about to start their journey in the sports betting field. Then heading over to Texas, there's a Texas bill seeking to guarantee Kickapoo tribe the position in gambling. The bill, known as the um, Isla del Sur Pueblo uh, and Alabama kusheta uh, tribes of Texas. Um, equal fair opportunity uh, equal fair opportunity act which is allow both to offer electronical uh, electronic bingo on reservations by ensuring that they are covered by the indian gaming regulation regulatory act giving you some numbers michigan online gambling revenue reaches roughly two billion in 2022 which is an increase of and Nebraska Casino generated more than 2.8 million in tax revenue in 2022 which is uh, based on the casino gaming which debuted this year and which gives us quite an outlook to sports betting um, which might be um, regulated in Nebraska as well and last but not least Italy's Lotto uh, sorry Lotto Lotomatica eyes on an IPO in Q4 based on the core profit raising or rising up to at least 7%. So an initial public offering, which sources had told Reuters, could take place in the second quarter uh, would help to leave behind a dry spell in the IPO market, which which the market suffered in 2022 as inflation and high interest rates stoked volatility. And they already lined up and are backed with the who's who of IPO, including Unicredit, Goldman Sachs, Barclays, Deutsche Bank and JP Morgan. So for sure, we will see a big IPO in 2023 of Lotto Martica. And I'm pretty sure I'll just take it down the 10 in five.
2: I think you did a great job, Nico. You can take a deep breath There's some great. Interesting stories in there. I think it, you're absolutely right to point out the dry spell in IPOs. We haven't seen one of those for a while, and the last few that we have seen, I suppose, perhaps didn't didn't go as well as uh, as the companies might have hoped. But especially interesting to me is this prospect of some new gambling changes in Hawaii. Let us know in the comments if you'd like to see us put on iGaming next Honolulu, <laughs> and uh, we could all <laughs> have you there. For a nice little strip away, wouldn't that be nice?
0: Yeah, definitely have a pina colada over there, that's for sure. <laughs> um The the one story that leapt out to me there, Nico, was the, uh, the Bet365 story. You were right to flag about them withdrawing their licence in, in Massachusetts, because if you've tuned into weekly news at all this year, you'll know that we've been talking Bet365 up quite a bit and saying that you know, 2023 might be the time that they make a big impact in the US. Um, so this caught me by surprise. And I asked Ryan Butler, our US editor, why they might have withdrawn, because as you said, they didn't provide much detail. Um, and he said he's been following a lot of the Massachusetts regulatory hearings closely, and they go really in depth into the companies and the individuals behind them. Like, it's a bit of an investigation. Uh, and by the sounds of it, Bet365 just thought, actually this probably isn't isn't the way we want to, to go because as we know they're relatively exposed to uh to some greyer markets, shall we say, that might not um not translate particularly well in the US. So that's the, the, the talk on the grapevine is that that's why they've uh withdrawn their, their Massachusetts uh license application. But there was also a bit of speculation on Twitter that um you know maybe this means uh they're kind of tying up with it with a US gaming company that already has access in Massachusetts. So there was no need for uh, for them to apply separately. But yeah, both of those are nothing but rumours, I hasten to add.
2: They were hiring for a few positions in the US. Uh, I think we reported on that a few weeks ago, though. So Bet365, as you mentioned, Nico, tend to keep their cards quite close to their chest and don't always... Um, aren't always the most forthcoming with what their plans are, but uh, yeah, sometimes yeah. You find little stories like that to see that they've got a, a wealth of new roles going uh, going live in. I think it was in their New Jersey office. Um, yeah, so it might be
0: that Massachusetts was just a little bit too intrusive for their tastes um, compared to the other state regulators. But yeah, I think they're pretty committed to, to the US, as, as you are right to point out, Connor. Um. All right, so we dive into our main topics for this week. Uh, and the first one is about the Gambling Commission um, and their kind of hard-line approach to, to regulation and enforcement action uh, that we saw a lot throughout last year, but it's seriously carried into this year as well, um, with a pretty major £6.1 million fine for InTouch Games, which is a, a UK-licensed operator, uh, a casino operator that runs a handful of uh, of domains in the UK um, and basically this is the third time that they've uh, kind of fallen foul of, of uh, anti-money laundering and social responsibility um, protection measures in uh, since 2019, hence the kind of heavier side of the penalty um, if I could just read out the, uh, the quote from Um, one of the Gambling Commission's key executives here. Uh, She said, this is Kay Roberts, Executive Director of Operations at the Gambling Commission. Considering this operator's history of failings, we expected to see significant improvement when we carried out our planned compliance assessment. Disappointingly, although many improvements had been made, there was still more to do. The 6 million fine shows that we will take escalating enforcement action where failures are repeated and all licensees should be acutely aware of this. Um, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, whoever wants to go first?
2: I've got some thoughts, Jake. It's uh, To me, it reads like a, quite a powerful statement of intent from the regulator. It's like, you know, we're dishing out these fines for a reason, and the more you fail to come up to speed with what we're requiring of you, the heavier the fines are going to get. I think the fact that they've had increasing fines. So they've, they've, you mentioned those two fines in 2019 and 2021, I believe, that were two, about two and three million respectively. And this is now six million more. So they've shelled out something like 11 million over the last four years to the Gambling Commission now. And as I say, it's a it's a strong statement of intent from the UKGC that actually you know we're not taking these failings lightly even though i think given the details that were published it didn't sound like the most severe failings or the most egregious examples of 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 a lack of you know responsibility there so the two examples that we were given of what the actual fines refer to was a failing to interact with a customer until seven weeks after they had been flagged for interaction due to erratic play patterns and extended periods of play, not mm. good certainly um but hardly the most galling example of irresponsible operations that we've heard in recent years um and the operator also accepted a customer's word that they earned six thousand pounds a month without verifying this information. That suggests perhaps someone was betting a few thousand pounds a month, but it's unlikely that they were betting tens or or certainly not hundreds of thousands. And so those examples sound, if I may say, relatively minor compared to some of the failings that we've heard about. Um, And also these brands are not not especially well known in the UK. I think one of them was called Jammy Monkey. I don't know. I've never heard of it. Of course, we've heard of Intouch games being on the industry side of things, but Jammy Monkey and Dr Slots, I mean, these are hardly household names in the UK. Um, And yet we've seen this massive £6 million fine. I think it's a pretty powerful statement from the regulator.
0: Yeah, for sure. So in your mind, it's more, you know, they're more being penalised for for the repeated failures than they are the actual, uh, you know, severity of the of the failings themselves. I think that's probably a fair assessment. Um, and yeah, we were already well aware that the Gambling Commission kind of means business this year because on the 16th and 17th of January, uh, they basically published two further regulatory settlements in consecutive days. Um, the first one was against VBET, which is the uh, the kind of B2C betting arm of bet construct. That was uh, 330,000 something and then the, the day after uh, they basically hit tony bet with a uh, with a 440,000 uh, pound um penalty so yeah not quite on the same scale um, but yeah perhaps that goes back to what you were saying connor maybe if this was a first infringement for in touch games it would have been more in line with those two penalties
2: yeah Quite possibly. So yes. it's something like 7 million they've dished out already in the first, what were we, are, on 26th January, in the first sort of less than four weeks of the year. And if that continues at that rate, I think there's a high chance that they'll be exceeding the amount of penalties that were dished out last year, although last year was the highest ever. They gave out 43 million pounds worth of fines. Um, 17, as we remember, of which were uh, were given to Entine. But um, yes, it looks like they're off to a flying start and the Gambling Commission Christmas Party will be uh, very well attended <laughs> this year, I'm sure. <laughs> uh,
0: yes. Um, I asked at the beginning whether you had any uh, thoughts or opinions about this, Connor. Um, and it turns out you had so many thoughts and opinions <laughs> that you had to basically invent a brand new feature for the iGaming Next website. Um, Do you you want to tell us a little bit about that? Hopefully our production team can can flash up the graphic now so people know what we're talking about.
2: Yes, welcome to Connor's Corner. This is where I come to expel all my half-life opinions (laughs) about things. There's me with my little umbrella in front of the Houses of Parliament. Um, What got me thinking yesterday was was the fact that these brands that that I'd never never heard of the actual brand names themselves i thought really six million pound fine for jammy monkey who is that um and it sort of took me on a on a on a on a journey down memory line thinking back to my early days in the gambling industry which is about five years ago now in 2018 and i remember when i first came into gambling um the, the the talk of the day the talk of the town was this one million pound fine for skybet oh my god a million pounds it's so enormous and i remember thinking sort of, it doesn't sound like that much to, it's a lot to me but not to skybet really and i looked back and actually skybet in the year that they received that uh one million pound fine they generated nearly 700 million pounds in revenue so it was like i think there was a So my contention in this new feature that we've started was that in the past, operators in the UK would see these fines as just uh, a part of the cost of doing business, basically. It was seen as an added tax, in a sense, where you would have to shell out a little bit occasionally to the Gambling Commission for bending the rules, but that you would make that money back quite comfortably um, by doing so. And now I think the one way things are going, um, I think the market's changing quite a lot and the regulator's got its claws out and it's ready to start dishing out fines and taking things a bit more seriously. And, I mean, combine that with the basically non-existent growth in the UK market at the moment, um, pressures on customer spend and customer, uh, you know, disposal income and so on with the cost of living crisis and you've got the recipe for... um, a bit of a disastrous market at the moment, really definitely never been an, an easy market to operate in, but probably more difficult now than ever.
0: Yeah, that's true. And I think you're right to point out kind of the journey the commission has been on since, uh, since maybe five or six years ago, because it seems to me like the, the kind of football index scandal that happened sort of under the watch of, the, of the commission, if you like, was the, was the turning point here. And, uh, you know, obviously led to the kind of um, departure of the former CEO, Neil MacArthur, and since then we've had Andrew Rhodes in charge, and they've taken a much more kind of hard-line approach, I would argue, to, to regulating the sector and certainly enforcement. Um, and it's quite interesting, that approach, because obviously the government has kind of been in a mess throughout this entire period, as we know, because the Gambling Review keeps getting pushed back and back and back, and nobody really wants to take responsibility for it. So the commission really are acting of their own accord here um, and this is the uh you know the the method method they've chosen um to to regulate the sector and i just wonder how operators feel about that i mean like you were right to point out it probably has taken its toll in the short term but i wonder if actually eventually they'll be grateful for the kind of the clarity like you know instead of just a slap on the wrist it's kind of like there's a there's a lot firm line in the sand now that they know you know they're not allowed to get away with this any longer um and that was you know a few people might argue that was overdue um but nico so you you obviously work you know in the industry um like you say ice is coming up in the uk uh what do you hear about operating in the uk um is it as disastrous as uh, as people make out at the moment
1: so first of all you know um um, holding the compliance seat is usually not a seat you you admire to take, especially um, you know um, if there are no fines which actually hit your balance sheets, right? Because then your management is just okay. Why should we uh, talk about uh, safer gambling? Why should we consider AML checks? Blah blah blah. Why should we just take away a portion of our revenue, right? It's pretty simple. So that's why the kind of regulated business used to, used to have no interest in, you know, following the rules, then as soon as actually hard fines hit your balance sheets, then uh, management might actually start listening to you. And this is what I'm hearing from the industry, especially, you know, from the guys holding, guys and girls holding the AML and uh, being responsible for AML, etc., um as well um so this is the one side of of the story um first of all we all need to take care take into account uh and you know uh, process along uh, or process our business alongside the um you know underlying laws which are pretty simple uh, in europe in the uk as well you can look them up then what well, we should all also take in, into consideration if the um, margins and the kind of requirements of a regulated business are so tough to operate in and the margins get so small, then, of course, this forces players to actually join the black markets as well. And um, just remembering um, what the um, Betting and Gaming Council found out, that especially during the World Cup of 2022, Um, You know, you can still enter uh, um, a non-regulated website, and this obviously happened in the UK, you know, uh, a rise from 80,000 visits to 250,000 visits. This actually takes uh, even more, um, you know, uh, revenue away from the uh, companies who are actually willing um, to to work alongside the underlying laws as well, and as of now, from an outsider perspective, sometimes it just sounds like you know, uh, the KSA in the uh, in the Netherlands they are fining operators or non-licensed operators as um, as well. The UK uh, Gambling Commission is uh, is finding um companies as well i'm pretty sure we're just hitting uh, the top of an iceberg just remember when entain got hit by uh, roughly 14 or 15 million uh, pounds for uh, allowing people living on social welfare um allowing them to gamble with 250,000 uh, pounds uh, i don't know how social welfare in the uk works but uh, in germany it's a little bit different so for sure uh, I couldn't afford like spending 250k um, on on gambling websites, but maybe it's just different in the UK, as said. Um, but um, coming back to to the point, uh, fines for sure help um, the people in charge of AML and compliance to actually have a word within the um, within the management, and I'm pretty sure that uh, that we will see even. Uh, bigger fines in the u k and in all the regulated markets as well, because as of now we have not seen any fines in Germany as of now, and I'm pretty sure that especially as the ggl the um you know underlying authority in Germany they also uh, will um, make sure and stand tall that they take uh you know the regulated market uh pretty pretty serious and uh then we will see um fines as well in germany
2: yeah i think it's important to remember as well that there's quite a significant delay with these fines so most of the fines that we saw last year sort of seemed to um i'm not sure of the specifics but i think they they generally referred to actions that were taken in sort of 2021 or before um so I guess it's going to be a slow process for the industry to come to terms with the fact that, yes, these fines are getting more serious. There may be threats to your licence and so on. So it's I think you're quite right, Nico, this may well be the tip of an iceberg. It will probably get worse before it gets better. Um, but as, as things have changed in the last, certainly, and since 2022 with that record number of fines issued... Uh, I think in in coming years, people will start to operators that is will start to take this all a little bit more seriously.
0: <laughs> I remember saying something very similar to that in probably 2019, Connor, uh, when all the fines were related to 2016 and 2015. Yeah, and uh, and here we are four years later, and uh, yeah, not not a great deal has changed, but we'll see. We, we have to give these companies the benefit of the doubt, don't we? Uh, right we're going to come back to the uk a little bit later in the show um but now to go somewhere a little more glamorous some people might argue uh and that is new york where of course iGaming next will be in march with our new york event um and our conference is going to focus predominantly on online gambling um but the talk of the town at the moment is land-based gambling, and particularly uh, these huge kind of casino venues that could be getting built in New York with uh, licenses up for grabs at the moment. Um, and Las Vegas Suns reported their Q4 results today. Uh, and in my opinion, the most interesting comments were about their bid for a New York casino license. Um, Nico, I know this is kind of a a topic you've been following fairly closely, Um, simply because it would be kind of such a game changer for for these casino operators. Um, I can talk a bit more about the story, but do you want to maybe share some of your thoughts initially?
1: Yeah. So first of all, what what we're seeing um, when, as you know, um, regulation in in, uh, California is uh, as of now, Not going to happen. Yeah, Um, the the latest battleground where all the crazy numbers are coming from has been the sports betting in New York. Of course, the margin in sports betting ain't that high like in in casinos. So as of now, they will be opening up or there are at least two or three licenses to actually open up a casino, especially uh, on Times Square, which is uh, pretty much the heart um, of of New York and the numbers we are seeing is just crazy. You know, uh, uh, jay Z's Rocker, uh, Entertaining are bidding uh, for one of these licenses which are for sale. Um, now uh, Las Vegas Sands uh, are bidding for a license, and we're speaking about big numbers like two billion and five billion. So um, hopefully this won't be a bubble about to being uh, to be burst, um, but um, especially. We are just and only talking about companies and/or private investors with pretty deep pockets. So, with Las Vegas Sands as uh, being considered as the wealthiest company uh, within our um, within our industry, besides. Uh, the Swedish brand and uh, close to our uh, heart, uh, evolution. So for sure, we will just see big, big numbers, which nobody of us can actually dream of as of now. And uh, as you already pointed out, Jake, um, it, it will be crazy. And uh, probably one or two businesses will probably put their heart and their uh, balance sheets on the line. And fingers crossed, we, will, we won't see a big aftermath.
0: Yeah, it's going to be uh, fiercely competitive, I think. And um, just to talk a little bit more about those numbers. So it's going to cost $500 million just for a license uh, for one of these New York land-based casinos. Um, But the reason, obviously, operators are desperate to get one is because there's not really kind of land-based gambling in New York as there are in other parts of the U.S., Um, it's, you know, one of the strongest uh, areas of the U.S. in terms of international tourism, which is obviously a kind of tried and tested Las Vegas Sands business model, considering their uh, their properties in Macau and, and Singapore. Um, and it's also home to 23 million people. It's a metropolitan area. So, yeah, if you can get a Times Square site or a Staten Island site or anything else for a casino, you're going to be absolutely raking it in. Um, because the other thing to note is that with only three licenses available, there's not going to be huge competition either. You're going to have, uh, not a monopoly, but certainly a hell of a share of um, of the potential revenue there. And Rob Goldstein, the Las Vegas chief executive, um, has said that they would be open to spending uh, at, up to $5 billion on the resort. And they said, um, you know, this isn't just going to be, a casino with some slot machines, this is going to be a fully integrated resort. Um, so if you've ever seen kind of the Marina Bay Sands Hotel in, in Singapore, uh, it's absolutely incredible. I don't think there's quite the, uh, the retail space for that in New York, but it will certainly be more than just a casino. He said there will be like a conference centre, uh, multiple restaurants, a theatre, obviously a huge hotel that goes without saying, a spa. Um, and, yeah, it's basically to drive tourism in the area and uh, and also increase kind of jobs for locals. That's their business case for it. But, um, yeah, this isn't an opportunity to be sniffed at and they're kind of willing to spend whatever it takes is the general message. Um, Connor, what do you think about that? You are looking forward to our New York shows in, uh, in future years where we can just hop over the road and pop into a Las Vegas Suns Casino? Well, I, when you said
2: conference center, I thought, well, where better? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Next twenty 20- twenty eight, for example. Um, yeah, it's it. Casino, a, a land based casino is basically the only thing that New York doesn't have already. No, it's it's the city that never sleeps, the city that has everything, um, except somewhere to play casino games, and that's what they're looking to bring. I mean, we've seen. You know the government in New York, sort of uh, really trying to bolster its budget using the sports betting and the very high rate of tax they've got on that there, and that seems to be going quite well for them. Seems to be generating quite a lot of revenue for the public purse. This certainly can't hurt to get half a billion in. Well, I suppose one point five billion across all three licenses um, mm-hmm. for the license, and then all the tax and on top of that as you say the increase in tourism because of course the one thing that Times Square is missing is more tourists that's what it needs um, and uh, yeah I think I think it's no surprise that Sens have suggested they're willing to spend up to five billion um, if you've ever seen an episode of Grand Designs and people building their dream homes you know for a fact that they will go over that budget it will take longer than they think, and it will cost more than they think, but yeah. at the end of the day, like you say they 've got the expertise. you look at the marina Bay fan and the quality of that property i've never visited sadly, although one day um, and you, you you can see the 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 very serious approach they take to property development and and doing things at the cutting edge and i think yeah that's, that's a good
0: point though you know costs can easily spiral on a, on a project like this and i think the analysts uh on the on the conference call today were a little bit wary of that and they kind of said you know um are you sure you want to spend that much money uh, and las vegas sands said you know we're not in the habit of uh of investing in projects that we don't think would be prof- profitable and they're Chief Operating Officer said we wouldn't be interested in New York if we didn't think the returns are there. Um, And it's another interesting point that Las Vegas Sands obviously is one of the few companies, casino companies in the US to have completely ignored online gambling uh, and online sports betting, um, which, as we know, is a kind of losing game for operators at the moment. Many of them are struggling for profitability and it's costing a fortune. So, you know, maybe they've saved all of that additional capital for because uh, they knew this was coming down the line and they uh, were keeping it for a rainy day as they say
2: yeah it looks <laughs> it like looks from the outside like quite a risk of a business they know what they're good at they know what their strengths are They yeah. know the potential of land-based casino and, and and integrated resorts and that's what they are sticking to and fair play to them
0: yep Exactly, I'm sure uh, if anybody will make it a success, it will probably be them. Um, okay, coming back to the UK uh, a little bit. Today is a momentous day because it starts, basically, kicks off Q4 reporting season. Pierre's favorite time of year. Um, I'm sure he'll be on the uh, the weekly news throughout February. <laughs> Um, but yeah, officially starts today with Rank Group and BetMGM as well, who's uh, provided a bit of a business update. Um, but basically, people have been trying to guess some forecast as to what Q4 will hold for operators. Um, and a tipster company in the UK called City Bet Club said that they were expecting a very poor Q4 period because... World Cup results weren't all they cracked up to be. Um, it didn't provide the boost that operators were expecting. And also, obviously, all of the additional things we've talked about, like you know, stricter affordability measures, uh, the threat of enforcement action, um, could make it a pretty miserable quarter, especially for UK-licensed operators. Um, Obviously, a lot of the Q4 results are still to come, but we have had some trading updates uh, before now, including from Kindred Group and AAA. Mm-hmm. And reading those, it's pretty easy to see how, uh, how CBC came up with this prediction <laughs> because Kindred Group, uh, when, when was it? January the 13th basically issued a profit warning saying that Q4 results would be material lower than they had expected um and that the world cup is actually kind of detrimental to their traditional calendar of, of sporting events rather than beneficial and that's you know that's particularly interesting for kindred because france is a massive massive market for them i think possibly second uh biggest market in terms of users and france got all the way to the final so if they're having a nightmare tournament what does that say for the other operators um that are exposed there but uh yeah, I don't know if you've got any thoughts on this, guys.
2: Well, it was surprising to me based on my own experience of betting on the World Cup Jake because uh the, the bookmaker <laughs> I use privately owned bookmaker based in Stoke on Trent. Um that was all profit for them as far as I was concerned. I think they made <laughs> upwards of fifty or sixty pounds from me. So um that was pretty pretty good. I think Denise will be building a new wing. On her house with the with the spoils, so I was quite surprised because the bet the, the World Cup's like impossible to bet on. You never know. I mean, who could have said was <laughs> it three all in extra time and Argentina wins on penalties? Who who was betting on that?
0: You know. Yeah, um, we won't be giving you a a new column to uh, provide your betting tips, Connor. That's for sure.
2: No, well, the, the way I do it, Jake, is I turn to the person next to me and I say, "What do you think the score's going to be?" And they say 2-1, and I put a fiver on 2-1. And then it, more often than not, I win. Um, but yeah. not in the World Cup. Didn't work for me. So I was quite surprised by that. I suppose, Nico, it's it's quite possibly related to the story that you brought us about about this massive influx of customers in the UK going to the unregulated market. I think that you know affordability checks are possibly a part of that. But then again you know for casual bettors who make up sort of the majority of the market in terms of player numbers it doesn't seem to me that most of those would have been affected by affordability checks i suppose it's conceivable that more attractive acquisition offers from those grey market or rather unlicensed um operators attracted a great deal of people maybe they're doing some very clever online marketing and getting around uh you know social media rules for for advertising unlicensed betting operations, but i know that's i think sometimes these offshore operators are able to offer sort of two hundred or three hundred percent um deposit bonuses and as far as i can tell that 's not like that 's not permitted in the u k anything over a hundred percent seems to be impossible to come by maybe that 's part of it um but it's it's it was surprising to me to say the least.
1: So, just picking up one point, first of all, it's good seeing you, Connor. uh, once again, although you, for sure, and there are rumors going around that, uh, of course, you had the uh, 2.1 uh, win of Saudi Arabia, the almighty Saudi Arabia against Argentina, totally correct, uh, so you are still here, Why Neymar, <laughs> Uh, needed to you know uh, explore some other verticals to get some money in into his pockets, and that's why he started the Twitch channel, advertising some uh, some online casinos. So as said, it's always good that you're still grounded, although you're pretty rich, running around in Manchester and asking people <laughs> what kind, uh, what color of uh, so what what color is your Bugatti, right? So um, that's good. That's good. Um, so. First of all, thanks that uh, things are still like, like they are, but all, uh, as already pointed out, that's always the, uh, the competition we need to have in mind when we're tightening up the, the markets and uh, numbers don't lie. You know, if uh, uh, from 80,000 uh, visits per month, it goes up to 250,000 visits per month, uh, there's something underlying um, and uh, this is pretty much based on the, on the offerings of the black markets as well. Yeah,
0: that was a hell of a segue, Nicole. I wasn't totally sure where you were going with that, but you're right. Uh, it's good that Connor's able to uh, keep his feet on the ground after winning so much money during the World Cup. Yeah. From Saudi Arabia to beat
2: Argentina. 55 pounds on the other day. Shots for everyone in that bar, I can assure you.
0: But no, amidst all of that, um, I think you're both right to raise really interesting points about, uh, about market exposure. Um, and, you know, whether people are active either in just regulated markets or, you know, regulating markets, as some operators like to call them, um, because two of the businesses to provide trading updates, Kindred Group and AAA, a very much regulated mix, right? And AAA said uh, there was a 5% reduction in online revenues for Q4. Um, So again, disappointing, missed expectations. Uh, Sorry, they said in line with expectations. But uh, Regulus Partners pointed out that most of the major kind of uplift from World Cup was in LATAM and regulating territories down there. So if your business isn't active in those markets, you're not going to benefit from from the uptick that uh, that some others are. And I think that's kind of what we see playing out in the numbers, certainly the, the the pre-Q4 trading updates, at least.
2: Yeah, no surprise to see, you know, especially in Argentina, there was probably a solid uptick there. And again, <laughs> they would have, they would have, they have, <laughs> they would have in, so uh, who knows. But we had some, there was some, I would definitely recommend people go and look at this, um, this, these predictions from City Bet Club that our journalist Sonia Lindenberg reported on. There was some interesting analysis in there. So, I think Triple uh, released some stats from its William Hill brand. Um, and it, the, the metric it used was player user days. So, I guess, how many times a player logged on and placed a bet, you know, during that period. Um, and it said that online player days at William Hill were up 22% compared to Euro 2020. Now, that sounds fairly positive, but City Bet Club points out that the World Cup had 25% more matches than Euro 2020 um, and didn't have the same competition of a heavy summer sporting schedule. And so that sort of like-for-like comparison doesn't necessarily work very well. So a 22% increase in player days. Um, yeah was seen as quite disappointing by them. But lots of interesting analysis in there um, and much more detail in the write-up on our website.
0: Yeah, excellent, Conor. Well done for pointing that out. Um, And we'll be keeping a close eye on this, kind of whether this trend does develop into Q4. Um, We've got Entain on the 1st of February and then Flutter a month later on the 2nd of March. So, um, yeah, those are the kind of big guns, aren't they, that will, uh, will kind of set the pace for the rest of the market, you'd imagine. Yeah. Um, all right, we don't have too much longer left today, uh, so we'll probably wrap things up shortly, but as it's Nico's first pod of 2023, and it's still January, just, you've not, you've not managed to escape, Nico. I'm going to put you on the spot and I'm going to ask you for an industry prediction for 2023 because that's what the audience have been screaming for since we started recording today, I'm, I'm sure. So what have you got for us? Lay it on yeah. the line.
1: So, first of all, depending on the market, right? First of all, depending on on the market. Um, In Germany, uh, for sure, we will see more regulated uh, companies, you know, but I'm pretty sure that's just boring stuff, you know, uh, with respect to, yeah, you know, uh, each and everybody knows uh, what's about to to come. So, one thing I just want to uh, point out, we will for sure see one big giant fall whoever this might be. So we will just see one, one big uh, com- company, probably a, a tier one operator,
0: mm-hmm. which will
1: just fall uh, just uh, in between the cracks due to the spendings they already had and based on the um, investor relations climate, which is about to change due to high inflation rates, uh, due to probably a recession. And that's why I'm pretty sure um one or two uh, or one of the big investors will pull out uh, pull the plug of uh, uh, funding one of the uh, big big op- operations so whoever this might might be probably one in the in the US but we will for sure see one big giant uh being either taking over uh, or just falling uh, through the cracks
0: very interesting nick there you go. You, you heard it here first. A giant will fall in uh, in 2023. I'm not going to ask you to name any names, Nico, so don't panic. I think that's a good prediction and one yeah. we'll keep track of throughout the rest of the year. Um, all right. I'm going to wrap things up there. So before we say goodbye, is there anything else you'd like to add, Connor and Nico?
2: No, I think that was pretty comprehensive. Lots, lots to think about this week.
0: Yeah, for sure. And uh, we'll be back next week at the same time, of course. And uh, I think that'll be our last uh, our last weekly news before ice I'm not mm. sure whether we'll do one live from the conference the Thursday afterwards that might be quite an interesting experiment but uh, yeah we'll see maybe live from the pub um, Nico thank you so much for joining me today uh, great to have you back and Connor good having you as always um, just before we go I want to say thank you to our audience and also to our sponsor Playson uh, yeah we'll be back same time next week good to see thank you guys thanks Bye. again